You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Grammar Girl here. Today, I'm going to break the regular show format because I have an interview I want to share with you. It's about the grammar and usage of sign language. It was recorded a few years ago, and it's filled with all kinds of fascinating tidbits. It's one of my favorite interviews, but I've never released it here. So you're in for a treat. Today, I'm going to talk about sign language with David Peach. I became interested in sign language when I learned that my brother is taking American Sign Language as his foreign language in college. And then I saw on David's LinkedIn profile that he's a missionary to deaf communities. He's the host of the Missionary Talks podcast and is D. Peach on Twitter. And most interesting to me, he's fluent in multiple sign languages. Hi, David. Thanks for talking with me today. Hello, Mignon. I'm very excited about being able to share what I, what I know about sign language. I know. I think it's fascinating. So what country are you in right now? Currently, I am in Argentina. And we're in the city of La Plata, which is just south of the capital, Buenos Aires. Oh, and what sign language do they use there? Here they use the Argentine sign language, so it, it is specific to this country. See, I know nothing about sign language, so I wasn't even sure that there were different languages that are spoken in different countries. So your profile said that you're fluent in multiple sign languages. So what different sign languages do you know? Well, I'm, I'm very comfortable in American Sign Language, Mexican Sign Language, and I'm getting there with uh, Argentine Sign Language. I've also learned the Peruvian Sign Language, which isn't that different from our American Sign Language because it is. it was taken into Peru in the 60s uh, by an American missionary, and so the sign language they use there is very, very much like the American Sign Language. And then we've been in other countries. I, I've learned a dialect of the Cuban Sign Language, but I only learned it really for the time I was there. So I learned it, took it all in, and then was able to communicate, do my work. Uh, but that, that's been six years ago, and so I don't really remember it anymore. And I've, I've had other countries like that where I've, I've been in and out kind of quickly, uh, but just, just learned enough to be able to communicate. And uh, so while I do know other sign languages, I don't know them as well as the, the ones that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And the different sign languages, are they the same as the different spoken and written languages in each country? I mean, if you, know, you have five countries where everyone speaks Spanish, Will all the deaf people in those five countries also use the same sign language, or does it not exactly overlap? No, it, it's pretty pretty much um, limited to geographical areas. 
And um, some of that's just because locally where school is. For, for example, um, South Africa is a really good um, example of this, kind of the other direction. While South Africa has many official spoken languages, there's really only two signed languages in the country. Uh, so there's multiple uh, spoken languages and two sign languages. Here in South America, while we primarily speak Spanish as the spoken language, uh, there's signed languages for each of the different countries, and some of the countries would have multiple signed languages. Oh, it's interesting. So is it harder for deaf people to travel and communicate? With each other? No, not really. It's, uh, it's interesting. I just came back from a, a conference in Las Vegas where, uh, we had, I think the number was 23,000 deaf people from around the world at this conference. And it, uh, it was very interesting to see different sign languages being spoken, yet the, the deaf were able to communicate one, uh, with one another. And now it may not have been a very deep conversation. In many cases, but it was the, the ability to communicate is there. Now, some of that would be, uh, very limited communication. For example, I met a man from Thailand and we talked, we communicated, but as far as sharing family history and that kind of information, that, that didn't happen. And, and deaf people, I'm a hearing person. A deaf people, a deaf person is even more adept at being able to pick up uh, another sign language uh, quickly, or at least at least get the rudiments of it to be able to communicate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty typical for American students to take a foreign language in high school or in college. Do deaf students do the same thing in their schools? Would a uh, an, someone who is learning American sign language in school would they take French sign language as a, a foreign language? I, you know, I've not heard of that. There is one liberal arts university, and it's the only one in the world, from what I understand, Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C., and there they would have, I know I've been in that area, and they have deaf from around the world there, um, and so there would be a lot of cultural um interchange there with the students, and they may teach other languages, but as far as, you know, like in high school and, and in a, a normal college where uh, it would be predominantly hearing people with some deaf students using interpreters, or maybe they have a deaf program. Uh, I've never heard of a foreign language like that, uh, a foreign language program for the deaf. The other thing, so I was trying to get ready for our interview quickly. Mm-hmm. So I went to Wikipedia to get a quick rundown on sign language. And the history of sign language was fascinating. And first of all, it doesn't seem to go back all that far. And second of all, I read that British and American sign language are very different from each other, whereas American sign language is more like French because of the way the languages came about. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, as far as the history of sign language, what we think of as modern-day sign language, really we can trace back to the mid-1700s, but uh, there's... There's old writings. Plato talked about um, people signing, mutes signing back and forth. So there, there's a long history of some type of communication using signed languages. But when we think of sign language today, particularly American sign language, uh, we kind of trace our history back to the mid-1700s. And uh, there was, a, there was an, an abbey, a, 
a French preacher who started a school for the deaf in Paris, and he used started using the sign language that he kind of saw the deaf using there, and that's called the old French sign language. He kind of adapted that from what what we would call a natural signed language into a language that followed more the uh, French structure of grammar and such, word order, those types of things. And then that became known as the old, uh, the, the other one was the old French sign language, and this was old signed French. Uh, so kind of a change of name there. Well, that fella taught a fella uh, sign language, or taught the, taught this uh, guy his education. His name was um, Clerk, and Clerk was met by an American in the early 1800s, 1816, 1817, um, and this man was Gallaudet. Now, he's not the man who started Gallaudet University, but it is named for him. Um, he started, uh, he, he met Clerk in France, and brought, Clerk was a deaf man himself, brought Clerk back to the United States in 1817. And they started a school for the deaf. They were using, at the time, the old sign French. Well, they taught the sign language to the deaf in their area, and this was in Hartford, Connecticut. But what they taught in school, which they tried to um, stick with the English sentence structure, the English grammar. All of that was exciting to them, but what they noticed out on the playgrounds is that the kids were speaking a different grammar, a different language. Even though it was the same signs, they would use it differently. And that then developed into what we call today American Sign Language. Uh, so it had its roots in the French Sign Language. And actually, the French Sign Language was very well developed, or at least well promoted during that time period because there's many other countries who also use the French sign language, uh, or at least that as their base. Mexico has their sign language base in French, and that was taken over to Mexico in 1815, just two years before it came to the United States. Those two languages through the years have developed. They don't look really a whole lot of alike. Um, and so, so while they have their roots in the French sign language, then their actual usage today is different. Our Argentine sign language comes from Italy, but the Italian signs, its roots are in the French sign language from the same period. So there are some similarities to the sign language we use here, uh, but all of it uses somewhat of the same grammatical structure, even though the signs are, are really different in different places. Uh, so that's kind of a quick history of the sign language. The British sign language, however, I, I really don't know the history of British sign language. I was in London uh, just on a stopover this last year in December, and in the airport... They had the news going, and they had an interpreter there, and I was all excited to watch this, And I, because I, I know a little bit about the British Sign Language, not that I really understand it, and I was watching it, I couldn't understand a thing the interpreter was saying, and it, it was the British Sign Language, and even though I speak English, I could speak to any hearing person there, I couldn't understand the interpreter, even though I know American Sign Language, so the, even though we speak the same spoken language, the sign languages are totally different. That's amazing. So one thing I was going to ask you is about the difference between words and sentence structure, and you brought that up a minute ago. So different sign languages, do they share? Is it sort of uh, like there are English words that come from French and 
you can kind of tell that they have the same root, even though they're different now. Are there are there signs like that that are different, but that have evolved differently in different languages? Yes, um, those are really two different things because one is the grammatical sentence structure uh, where they would be different, and then the the actual signs. Let me talk about the signs themselves. The signs, we'll see a lot of similarity in the way signs are used. For example, certain words that are action words, to give. You give this to him. While the sign in American Sign Language, the Mexican Sign Language, the Argentine Sign Language, is all different, the the physical sign, the way you put your hands and the shape, the way you show that action is the same. So there would be some similarities there in the the way the action is done. And then that would be true. There's some signs that that the sign itself is exactly the same in the three different languages, but it may have a different English or Spanish word meaning. Uh, so there would be similar signs, but have a different meaning. Um, then then to the other question, the other side of this is usage. While the signs may be totally different, a lot of the grammar is the same. The the, Amer- uh, the American Sign Language grammar, the Argentine Sign Language grammar, uh, and then other countries I've been to, they use what I would call a more natural grammar. Um, just just to give you an example, in English we say a. Uh, the White House. That's where the president lives. The White House. In sign language, you would say the house white. And many spoken languages do that. They put the, they put the noun there first and then they modify it. Uh, and that's what we do in sign language. It, it really makes a whole lot more sense. I'm going to tell you first what I'm talking about. Uh, then I'll, then I'll tell you which one. Uh, for example, if I said, uh, the red, the red, Oh, the red what? What? What is it he's talking about? It's the red thing. And then I say car, the red car. So that now you know out of all these red things in front of me that I'm talking about the car. Where if if we did more of a a natural grammar, we would say we would say the car, and then you know what what object I'm talking about is red. Uh, and that's the way sign language is. And uh, in many cases, they'll they'll turn it around to more of a, a natural progression of things things the way they're done. They, there's sentence structure rules for how sign language is done. But like in English, you can change your sentence structure and still have proper grammar. Uh, but the, the, there are rules for how you're supposed to structure the sentences in sign language. And, you know, things like, um, you, you would take and say your subject first, and then, then you would make a comment on it. Uh, they, they call it subject predicate, um, sentence structure, or sometimes you would have, um, your time and then your topic and then you make your comment. Uh, for example, you asked me in, in, in an email, how do you even show time in sign language? Uh, now, actual American sign language, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's really a couple of different sign languages that we use in the United States. One of them is called American Sign Language. And then to the other side of that spectrum is signed English, which is you take, you take and you go back to what Gallaudet and Clerc learned, uh, in, in, uh, Paris. 
that you would take the French and you'd make it make the sign language work with that structure. Well, we have the same thing in, in America, in the United States, and it's called signed English. We're trying to put a sign to every English word. And so, so there's two different mindsets, two different grammatical structures. It's a, it's a big, it's a big exciting, uh, controversy to get yourself into. But as far as strictly American sign language and that sentence structure and, and such, um, to, to show your time, you would say yesterday or in the past, and then you say what it is you're talking about, and then you make your comment about it. So you do your time, your, your subject, and then your predicate, which, what your commentary about that time and subject was. Uh, so that's why you show your past tense, your future tense, and you don't have to have a special sign just to show uh, that this is the, the word with the ED ending on it to show that it's past tense. Oh, so it's a sentence marker. That's efficient. So actually, your comment about the two languages reminded me of another question I have. I was wondering if there are usage arguments in sign language. You know, we argue about should you or should you not start a sentence with hopefully. Are there those kind of arguments in sign language too? <laughs> oh, yes. Those, those are very, very fun. And uh, many times, though, those usage arguments are done by hearing people. Or it's something that we talk about in the classroom. As far as, you know, if I put out a video and this is this is my video and I'm talking about um, this product that my company sells. Nobody really talks about whether I use that sign properly here or not. If I'm a deaf person, but if I'm a hearing person that puts out that, that video, then it gets critiqued by all the other hearing interpreters and sometimes deaf people. So yes, there's, there's usage arguments. You, you asked me in an email about, uh, manuals of style, you know, like the Chicago Manual of Style and such. Uh, do we have that? We have many of those. And just like in English, uh, the nice thing about standards is there's so many to choose from. Uh, so you can choose uh, which which book you want to follow here or there as far as just day-to-day -day communications. Um, of course, you would have your your discussions and arguments, but really the the matter is communication and many deaf people um are just interested in in communicating whether it's grammatically correct or not um as far as what is a proper correct grammar you know uh the proper english grammar is what we've all agreed on and decided this is right or not it, there's nothing there's no laws of the universe that says it has to be done this way it's because we've agreed that it has to be done this way and that's the same way in in sign language grammar is that you know if you if it's accepted and everybody agrees to it then that's our accepted grammar yeah, it sounds very much like spoken English, too. There's a subset of people who care and will fight about the rules, but the much larger group of people just talk the way they're going to talk and speak the way they're going to speak, and that's the way it is. Yes. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules 
only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. In fact, uh, I had thrown out on Twitter to see if anybody had specific questions for you. And Run Nessie Run had a couple of questions. And one of them was how to use um, signs, if there are signs for abbreviations. Like, is there... Like when we're writing a tweet, we might say BTW for by the way, or people will say anyways instead of anyway, maybe when they're trying to be funny. Is there, uh, are there signs for slang or internet abbreviations or things like that that evolve over time, just like they have in English? Sure. Uh, and, and really the, those types of abbreviations uh, may not be, you know, like we abbreviate a certain thing in, in English. In sign language, that may or may not be abbreviated, uh, but they would have other things that, that they would say. Uh, for example, just kind of one of the classic ones that everybody talks about. The deaf use this phrase, they say, train gone. And that is when, when somebody comes into a conversation and the conversation's ending, uh, and they say, hey, hey, what are you talking about? Uh, the deaf people will just look at him and sign the words, train, and then go. And meaning you've missed the boat, you know, we're, we're, we're done talking about that, we're moving on. And so they have a lot of little abbreviations like that. But then, you know, the nature of sign language is in some ways abbreviated um, so that instead of having to, let me give you an example, uh, it's called a, a pro-drop language, sign language is. If I know what I'm talking about and you know what I'm talking about, then there's no no reason to talk about it, the thing that we're talking about. Um, for example, I say, you give the book to her. Well, if I know I'm talking about the book and you know I'm talking about the book and she's standing right there, I can just do the sign, give, from you to her. Uh, I'm just doing one sign, but grammatically that means you give the book to her. Uh, so, so there's a lot of abbreviations and things like that. And then, of course, you would, you would show facially, uh, many, many abbreviations, um, 
for example, I don't like this. Well, I don't have to say, I don't have to sign the words I don't like. I can just sign the word like and give an ugly face with it, and you know that I don't like it. Uh, so, so there's a lot of abbreviations there. As far as written communication, then the deaf also, um, you know, they have their own written shortcuts, uh, like by the way and things like that. But as far as just the spoken or the signed communication, it, it kind of already is a, a language of, of abbreviations, I guess, in some ways. Okay, so Run Nessie Run, she also wanted to know if there are signs for common proper nouns, like is there a sign for David or John or Sarah, the names? Mm-hmm. That's what we call um, our, our sign name. For example, my name is David. Well, that's a very common name. Lots of people are named David. Uh, what I would do is when I meet a person for the first time, I would say, um, hi, my name's David, and spell my name for them. And then I would say my sign is... And then I have a, a sign that I do, which for me, the word peach, uh, just like the fruit, is a, you scratch kind of the, kind of your cheek. And so what I do is I scratch my cheek with the letter D. And that's me. Uh, so now all of my friends know that when, when they see that sign that they're talking about me, nobody has to spell my name again. And so yeah, there's, there's signs for proper nouns. There's signs for places. Um, that that are just kind of agreed upon. Now, of course, somebody I've never met doesn't know what my sign name is. So that has to be transmitted each time you you jump into a conversation like that. Oh, that's fascinating. So do most people pick their own sign name or do their parents <laughs> pick their name out for them? Usually the community picks it and it's not always um, uh, flattering. <laughs> for example, if, if a person has a, a funny way they walk, then then the deaf will start start signing uh, to talk about them using maybe a gesture that they they make when they walk. Or uh, one of my friends, uh, just thinking about, he used to wear these really big hearing aids, and he was the only one in his deaf school that had this style of hearing aid. So his his name became synonymous with the sign for that style of hearing aid. Uh, so, and, and it, of course, it's it's not anything flattering because it was this huge hearing aid, so his sign name is uh, this sign indicating this big old huge thing stuck on your ear. Um, and so, so it's usually not flattering. <laughs> but uh, the, the community usually picks out your sign name, or you can pick it out yourself, and that's always the safest thing. You, you decide what your sign name's going to be, and then you just tell people that's what it is. And that way you don't get stuck with something you don't want. That sounds like the best way. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then Grammar Hulk on Twitter wanted to know how are dialects and accents expressed in sign language. And uh, he or she, they wanted to know, would there be a sign equivalent of a Hulk speak dialect? (laughs) There, there can be. And what, what you'll often see, for example, in the United States, uh, just thinking about one word that's you often see different is the word birthday. In the South, we sign birthday one way. In certain areas in, in central U.S., they sign it a different way. And so I know probably six or eight different ways to sign the word or the term birthday. Well, it depends on who you're talking to as to the way they say it. Now, if they sign one of these signs that I don't use, 
but I know what it means, then usually I just, you know, kind of pick up right there and let them talk. And, and I may use that sign back to them, or I may continue to use my word, my sign for, for birthday. And so they would understand me. So you do see some variations like that, some uh, dialects. Uh, here in Argentina, I've seen it even more so where just moving from one city to another, you're going to see a big difference in uh, certain ways they do their alphabet, N- not the whole alphabet, but a few, a few letters kind of always change, uh, when you move from one city to another. And, uh, so you see some dialectal, uh, things there in the, in the sign language and just the way they do individual words. Fascinating. So Hannah editing on Twitter wanted to know if there are any issues with signing when you switch between first, second, and third person. So if you're saying, I saw the band, and then you should see the band, or something like that. Are there ever, like, how do you show what person you're writing in? Well, like I said, um, the, sign language is a pro-drop language, and that means that you drop any kind of pronouns that aren't needed. So anything that that isn't isn't already understood, if it's not understood, then you need to say it. But otherwise, many times, just the sign itself indicates that I'm the one that saw the band, or you're the one that saw it. Uh, so just the way the sign is done, that usually eliminates the need for switching which person and, and who. Now, the, the problem comes is if I'm talking to, to you, but we're talking about uh, my friend John. John saw the band. Well, I have to tell you, that's who he is. He's not here. He's not here physically present with us. So I've got to set him up somewhere in space. And so so I locate him in a certain spot. And when I refer to John, I always just point to this spot. And you know I'm talking about John. Well, then if you also have Bill that you're talking about, and he's not there, then I have to set up another space for Bill, so that when when I'm referring to Bill, I point to this area, and you know if Bill were were here, he'd be standing right there. Uh, so you you can take care of those persons, particularly third person, where uh, you know it's not just he, it's which he uh, are you talking about, and you can show that through spatial location. <laughs> that could get confusing if you're yes. talking about a lot of people. You'd have to remember where they all are. Yes, and usually, in in my case as an interpreter, uh, I usually, you know, you interpret a story, and the the hearing person will tell this story, and he's got six or seven different characters in it. Well, he just talks about John and Bill and Mignon, so he just mentions the name. Well, where did I put that person? On my, on my grid here, you know, in, in my spacing. So you have to remember all of that. Yeah. It strikes me that sign language is much more in physical space than spoken language. So I was wondering, are there issues with privacy and eavesdropping when you have a lot of deaf people together who are having conversations? Is there an, is there an etiquette that you sort of look away or something like that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good, uh, term, etiquette. Uh, there, there are certain things that you're, you know, you don't just stand there and eavesdrop on somebody's conversation. So often you will, uh, you, you can tell if, if a conversation is either heated or romantic and it's like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to divert my eyes and move on. Uh, so when you have a big group of people, you have that. Often though, if it's a, really a private conversation, then, 
there there's ways to to go stand over in a corner and kind of block people from being able to see what's what's being talked about but it is more of an etiquette than anything it's just you know deaf people they when they're in a crowd with with other folks and they're they're talking I, you know i'm going to be kind to my friends and not look in on every bit of their conversation. So it's more just an etiquette thing than it is necessarily how do we deal with this. Um, you just, you just deal with it kind of on a, on a natural level. You see, see what needs to be done. And then of course, if it is really a private conversation, you can go into another room and, and take care of it. I guess it's the same issue as being overheard at a party while you're talking. It's not really that different. Sure. Yeah. So the last question I have is from Pinky and Rexa, and she asks, do you know any poets who do poetry videos in sign language? And you had mentioned earlier about people doing videos, so I was wondering generally if there's a big community of deaf people who make videos. YouTube. <laughs> if you go to YouTube, you can find a lot of things there. If you do a search for American Sign Language, uh, you'll find find many things. And, and maybe you're wanting to know about a certain issue. You can do a search there and then put in ASL. is what we call the American Sign Language or just American Signs. And you can find that. As far as poets, you know, I saw some folks way back... 20 years ago, when I was first learning sign language, I saw some videos that would be visual poetry, that would be what we'd consider sign language poetry. Uh, but I, I don't even remember who that was or uh, where you might be able to get your hands on that today. But I would imagine that you can find that that type of um storytelling and it's really more of a storytelling done in a certain way for example there's one that's just just humorous there's you take the hand shapes of the alphabet and you tell a story going a to z using signs or gestures that use the the alphabet in order um so so maybe one of the stories i remember seeing was um a cowboy walks into into the saloon and he goes through this whole routine of walking into the saloon and using these certain hand shapes so that you could see the story unfold A through Z. Uh, so it's more of a visual type of of poetry. Uh, if 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 you want to call it poetry, I, I guess that's that would be the best way to term it. Yeah, it's very. Actually, I just got one more question on Twitter. From Cos Serpent, it's very similar. He asked if there are puns that only make sense in sign language. Like, where two signs are very similar. Yes, there are. And that, uh, the opposite of that is where we often get in trouble as, as hearing people, uh, trying to interpret our jokes into sign language. What is, what is funny to us because of the pun doesn't make any sense to the deaf because they're, their sign is not tied to that English word necessarily. They may not know that these two words sound alike. And so, so it doesn't work that way. But then the, the, the other way is true. Uh, there are puns where the, the signs are similar, but not exactly the same. And so that you can do a visual pun that way. Oh, that's so fascinating. David, thank you so much for talking with me today. I just found this whole thing fascinating. Where can people find you online? 
Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. I'm, I'm excited to be able to share what knowledge I have on that. I have a couple different presences. One is my podcast. I do a, a podcast where I interview other missionaries. And because I work with the deaf, quite a few of the interviews I've done in the past have been with missionaries who work with the deaf. And so you can find that at missionarytalks.com, missionarytalks.com. And then my, my ministry website, where I do my work is dpeach.com. The letter D, P E A C H, just like the fruit.com. Since we did this interview, David also has a new URL that's learnsigns.com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 